0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. A blessed Easter to all of you this Monday, May the 9th, as the light of Christ continues to shine, us, shine on us from, the, from 1 John, and today, chapter 2, we continue. John tells us that we are in the last hour, the last days, and warns us about something we hear quite a bit about, um, but are always confused, the Antichrist or Antichrists. This can be a very heavy subject, something that can make us um, very um, uncomfortable, I would say, whether it's references in the Lutheran Confessions or to the times that we read in end times books or whatever it might be that who is this Antichrist? Who are the Antichrist? And today we will tackle those questions along with looking to Christ. So open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome back Pastor Kevin Yoakum of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Riverview, Florida. Pastor Yoakum, a blessed Easter, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back.
0: So, Pastor, tell us what's going on. It's, uh, you know, your your past Easter. Uh, So what's happening for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Christ the King?
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, Yes, so the the work of the saints here at Christ the King, we are uh, enjoying the the, uh, Easter season. We have the tradition here of taking that Easter acclamation that we say on Easter and, and saying it every Sunday when we begin and when we end. And I don't, I don't know if any other congregation does that, but we begin and end our worship uh, with that good news. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. And he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we just, we just live in that uh, joy uh, every Sunday and we, we take it back with us wherever we go through the week. Uh, as far as my family goes, uh, my wife and daughter and I, are uh, doing fine, we're doing well. My daughter's about to graduate eighth grade uh, from the local Lutheran school. And uh, I am celebrating my 50th birthday today. So uh, what better thing to do than to, to talk about the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put that on
0: the top 10 list. You turn 50. Let's talk yep. about the Antichrist. So I'm looking forward to that yeah. someday. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to tell my wife okay. we have to talk about the Antichrist on my 50th. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so it's a good reminder to you, our listeners that during the Easter season, which is 40 days post um, it's Easter Sunday, that, yeah, you continue to say the Alleluia. Alleluia, we typically don't say during Lent, we say them full bore beginning and all the time during this Easter season. And let's be honest, throughout our whole lives, because Christ is truly risen from the dead. So pastor, on that, on the, on those hallelujahs, we're studying First John chapter two. Can you ask the Lord's blessing on our time and begin us in prayer?
1: Absolutely. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, still uh, rejoicing in the joy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that we live in the promise of, his resurrection, meaning our forgiveness and salvation and our promised resurrection as well. We ask that you would direct us this day into your word that we might receive all that you would teach us. We might hear it, ponder it, and by learning from it, that we might be changed and strengthened in the faith. We ask this in the name of your son, our risen savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: If you have any questions about our text today, which you might have because it does talk about the Antichrist, um, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or if you have any questions about Pastor Yochum's birthday, you can send us an email on that as well. So we're looking at 1 John chapter 2. Um, I'll read all of our verses that we'll study this morning um, from the English Standard Version. And the heading is, Warning Concerning Antichrists we reminded there's an S at the end of that, which is a good distinction for us to remember. But we hear the word of God, verse 18 through 29. Children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but the one who denies, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has a Father, Whoever confesses the son has a father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, that you had no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as he taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. This is the word of God. Pastor, there's a, I feel like there's kind of a, a repeat mode throughout our words here today, which is important because just like the catechism, we keep repeating it. And guess what? You keep learning more things. So I love how this is laid out for us today. And it covers a very important subject of the antichrist or antichrist. So how do you want to start us off?
1: Well, you hinted at this, you mentioned that uh, the talk of the antichrist uh, can be uh, a bit unsettling. And we wonder uh, what to expect or how are we gonna know or, you know, how just how and how, uh, um, you know, fearful is it going to be to anticipate this? And so maybe even having the subject before us, the warning concerning the Antichrist, um, you know, may uh, be unsettling. But I, I think what the Apostle John does is really turn this into saying there's no reason that we can't talk about this. Uh, just with his very first word, children, right? And, and he uses that word throughout 1st John to say, you know, beloved, to say, you know, dear Christians, children of God. And he is also, you know, kind of seen as, as the, the elder John, uh, as the one, the the father figure for the, the church at that place in that time. Uh, and he says, children. And I think it just um, brings us into this new topic. With a reminder that we can talk about this in an unstressed way, you know, uh, where we might say we're going to talk about the antichrist, uh, but John just kind of says, "Children," and and this is a beloved term for him, uh, not in any um, insulting way or demeaning. But uh, it's as if he could just be saying, "You know, my my dear friend," and that's the way the elder John is is writing this to those who are listening. Uh, and and so as we talk about this, I think I'm going to pull on, uh, one of the uh, teachings of one of my seminary professors where he said in in technical theological language, the Bible is cool. (laughs) 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 You know, where we could, uh, you know, in seminary, we're thinking, we're taking all these higher graduate degree uh, classes and trying to get degrees but he just says this is awesome to come into God's word and, and look at what it says and try to hear it and receive it. And, uh, what a blessing that is. And so, uh, but then he does kind of, if you're reading this for the first time, you go, Oh, you know, first of all, it is the last hour, you know, uh, where he's kind of helping us see this is, you know, the, the times have changed is what he's basically saying. I think that, uh, First there was the time before Christ. And now we're in this last hour, which is the time after the, the coming of Christ and after his ascension and now you know, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This is the end times. And and that's another term that, you know, pretty weighted in some Christian circles today. To talk about the end times, you start looking at, you know, ancient prophecies and the, You know that newspaper headlines at the same time uh trying to figure out where's the fulfillment in all of this um but he's just saying now this is you know christ has come and this is the last hour where we will be waiting for christ to return again and in the meantime there he talks about the antichrist well i think that's how i kind of just start looking at it in that introductory verse how does he bring us to this new subject and i
0: love how you you highlighted that we can speak about the antichrist not to try to to bring repentance. I mean, you know, there's that reality that we don't have to fear, but it doesn't mean we don't repent. I mean, there's definitely a reality that this antichrist and antichrists are real. So we don't have to fear, but we do repent because, wow, you know what? That You know, I, I could walk away from the faith and therefore I repent and, and keep going back to our Lord Jesus. Part of that too is that language, like you said, with children, on top of that is, you know, this goes back to John chapter one, very much. So a language that John uses by the Holy spirit verse, chapter one, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born, yeah. not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that gives us our identity of, of like when my father or my mother say, this is my son. I didn't choose to be my parents' child, um, but God right. gave them to us. And that's this language he uses is that understanding of God doing the work. And so we can talk about that as that comfort of knowing that he calls us children, you know, his children, his a child of the most loving heavenly father who has, and has sent his son to die for us. At the same time, we're, we are in the end times um, and brings back to Hebrews chapter one. Uh, Long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so there's a comfort in that, too, that in this last hour, he keeps pointing us back to Christ, not to leave us in fear, but to leave us in the peace and the grace of our Lord Jesus. So um, any other highlights you have before we start digging in a few verses at a time?
1: I mean, just building from what you said, that in this last hour, this is the time. Of Christ, this is the time after His uh, resurrection, and this is the time before His return. And so, during this time, there will be those who oppose Christ that come out, and those will be the antichrist. Yeah.
0: So let's dig in. Uh, we'll just go to verse eighteen. We've already hit it on a little bit, but it's a good one to always repeat, children. It is the last hour, and as you have heard that antichrist is coming, so now many antichrist have come. So we have antichrist, antichrists, uh, any thoughts on that? Cause we always hear about the antichrist, but these small antichrist, that's kind of terrifying when you first read it.
1: Right. Um, you, you wonder if he has spawned or something, uh, <laughs> <That's>, but, <laughs> uh, the, the, you know, where someone would say the big antichrist, you'll know, maybe put a capital A there, uh, that's mostly taught about in first Thessalonians uh, what this man of lawlessness will be. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now, uh, he kind of says, now you've heard about the, and now let's talk about the many, uh, and what are the many antichrists that are out there? And, um, the, the the way to see this is not that it's some sort of special creature or extra, extra evil that's never been seen before. Uh, but these are the false teachers that uh, may try to replace christ with their teachings or stand opposed to jesus uh in what they say Uh, that anti-christ i had always been working with just saying it was those who were against christ um but one of the things i was researching said that that can also mean those who stand instead of or in place of christ and so those who might try to get in the way with their teachings so that you can't actually see the true Christ, uh, trying to fill us with what they want us to see. And, and so this is the time now that we're just going to have to face all of these uh, false teachers that are out there. And we've and, and seen and heard of these throughout life and, and throughout history as well. Yeah. And that's
0: how you say it in order to know what you're fighting or how to fight. You have to know what you're fighting or what you are. I don't want to say against is the right word, but who is the enemy? You know, you hear that line, like we found the enemy and the enemy is us. Like, well, that's not good. But here he's very clearly pointing out. God is not the enemy. Okay. So it's contradicting. What I just said is he's not the enemy. There is evil in this world and he is the enemy. So let's make sure that we
1: remember who the enemy really is. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's the, it is the, the voice, the word, the message, the teacher that is against Christ, uh, that is going to try to replace Christ with something else. Uh, you know, one of our, our Lutheran pastors has written a book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and in that book, they, they go through different uh, kind of versions of misunderstandings of what the purpose of Jesus is. And, and so if you, if you have this false idea, of who Jesus is, you'll never see him for who he really is. And uh, as we're going to see here, it explains uh, what the Apostle John will be saying, how you can easily identify the message of the Antichrist, the message of a false teacher. And it's, it's to get it all wrong, uh, to get even just the very identity of Jesus wrong or his message
0: and that is a that is a great book. We've had the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard on before and he talked about that a little bit and it was is a real blessing for me. We we did it in Bible study here because we can easily make it sound like, well, the only like bad Jesus or the the wrong interpretations of Jesus in what's really dark and like a horrible horror movie or something, but how quickly <laughs> we can misrepresent Jesus which is not the real Jesus and that can be defined very clearly as an antichrist, because you you are hearing something where it's not the full sufficiency of the cross, but Jesus who keeps telling you more to do that never gives you any way of grace or forgiveness that was won on the cross. And that kind of Jesus would be kind of what we'll define and we'll define it a little more clearly as we go through this. Pastor, anything mm-hmm. else in verse 18?
1: No, I, I, I think uh, I'll start talking in circles if I'm doing yeah,
0: it. That's right. So let's keep moving forward here. Verses 19 to 21, they, they went out from us, but they were not of us for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us, but you have been anointed by the Holy one and you have all knowledge. So there's a reference to they, and that goes into like a referent. What does this refer to? Who is these? They,
1: did you find anything on that? Who are the, they? These are the Antichrist, which is kind of uh, startling at first to say that these false, to say false teachers, We that's more comforting to us. But if we say the Antichrist had been among us, that these false teachers had been part of at least the visible Christian church. Um, and, and so you wonder, maybe these had been um, uh, people who among the Christian church, but had never really had faith, you know, maybe had been. Trying to be in the church, but had not come to you know a full faith of belief in Christ, or or maybe these had been Christians uh, believers that had lost their faith for whatever reason. But you know, so sort of verse nineteen says they went out from us, which kind of brings us to this realization that uh, you know, the, some of these false teachers had have come from the church and they've heard the teachings of Christ and. and in wanting to adhere to their own teaching, to their own message of who Jesus is, or what His purpose is, or what the nature of God, they uh, could not remain. Whether they left of their own volition or people had said, "You you bring a different spirit, a different message, and, and you you cannot remain in us," and, and so they had left from us. Um, you know, their message ceased to be Christian if it ever was. Uh, or whatever, but you know, someone had been in in the church, and uh, maybe they struck up a message, or they thought, "Oh, it's time for me to teach." But their message is is just not of Christ. And I, I want to say also that this is not that. Well, maybe they're mistaken, and, and they can be corrected. You know, but these are the ones that stand opposed to Christ. That you know, those who would not say, "Oh, I was mistaken. I'm glad someone taught me." how to see that scripture more clearly, but these are the ones who will adhere and stick to a false message. Uh, these antichrists are those who are you know, going to remain opposed to Christ. Uh, and so they had left cause they, they could not, uh, remain with the, the true uh, Christian faith that was being uh, proclaimed within the church.
0: When you look at the language of John, this is why what you said is so important for us to always keep in mind. We look at the language of John and his interactions, especially throughout the gospels, we are definitely not dealing with a person who is, has an ax to grind at some inactives in his church. <laughs> no, this is not, you know, I, I never liked bill anyways, so I'm going to call him the antichrist now, you know, it's very, very clear <laughs> that whatever the message was, and he really even gets to it a little further here, um, throughout our text is that reality of he's very clearly not just going after people that he's quickly calling the antichrist. No, these are individuals who blatantly, it wasn't just like, oh, yeah. You know what? I didn't get that part of the gospel before. I didn't understand that part of creole Christianity or something. Um, you know, oh, I didn't know that part. It was, it was totally like, we believe that Jesus did not die for your sins. We believe that, that Jesus did not do this or that you have to work your way to heaven, whatever the blatant heresy was, which is probably Mm -hmm. the Mormon Gnosticism. That's one pastor talked about. There's, there's a reality. We don't really, we just don't know, but they definitely went with worldly teachings as opposed to godly ones. So he's definitely one showing us that people can walk away from this. Um, two, that there might be people in our own churches who don't actually believe in any of it. And he's warning them, telling them who they are. Uh, as the anointed ones now pastor i I want to move to that anointed Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we have other denominations that use that word more than we do and i would say a lot of times lutherans we don't say it a whole lot at least i haven't like stood up in front of church or heard a pastor stand up and say you are the anointed ones we'll say it but not not very often but some churches say it a lot so what does it mean in verse 20 uh, but you have been anointed. Where's the oil? That's my
1: question. Are we pouring oil on everyone now? Or? Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's not one of our keywords, uh, and and maybe that's something that you know every Christian should consider. What am I avoiding it? But mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned the oil. Yeah. So historically, if you were, if you were going to see some anointing, you would have seen uh, even going back to the Old Testament, you would have seen. Uh, oil, like some fragrant oil, not ten w thirty, but you know, some uh, balm or something like that. Some fragrant oil being poured on someone's head, uh, like a lotion or a perfume, and that that was a, a designation that that person had been chosen or set apart for a particular uh, meaning or purpose. I mean, it sounds when I say it like that, it sounds very foreign that you pour some sort of jab or ointment on someone or, you know, or like a perfumed kind of uh, fluid or something. Um, but that they were then being, you know, this special and beautiful, uh, you know, liquid, fluid, whatever, anointing uh, or oil that is this covering them with uh, this designation. I don't know. I find a better word for it. So uh, what I do with the, uh, the confirmation kids when I teach them, and I, I try to go back to one of those animated movies, the lion King. Absolutely. And he yep. yeah, you, you remember Simba, the baby and the monkey comes and, and breaks open a coconut or something and put some, uh, some of that coconut juice on his forehead and it's supposed to make a sign and symbol like this is the new King that's been born, the baby King. And, uh, and I said, that's what anointing. Is. Yeah. And so in that physical way, uh, it would be, you know designating someone with this symbolic or ceremonial act of uh, putting something on their forehead as if to show that this is the chosen one for a specific specific purpose. Now, what we have been anointed with may not have been oil. It is specifically always in the scriptures, talking of us as Christians, that we are anointed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, as it says in verse 20, anointed by the Holy One, uh, that the anointing for us is that we have been, uh, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have uh, been sealed with the Holy Spirit, as uh, I think the book of Revelation uses that word a lot, that we have this a gift of the Holy Spirit among us. And that that is, uh, you know, what other denominations would say, oh, he really had the anointing today or something like that. Well, maybe that person just uh, to to speak graciously was uh, really in tune with what the Holy Spirit was wanting people to hear and save that day, um, you know. But that the anointing is that the Holy Spirit is with them; that God has with has come to them and set them apart. And we will often associate that uh, in our uh, way of understanding this as uh, what's happening during baptism, mm-hmm. and even. Uh, we make the visual sign in our baptism to say, receive the sign of the Holy Cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. And it's that that visual symbol that this person, child or adult at baptism, has been granted, you know, God's salvation, God's gift of baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and, and faith and all that comes with, uh, that gift of baptism.
0: And so pastor, I, I love the connections you make, cause you break it down perfectly that we can say, boy, that was an anointing this morning when we put it in context of you were in the word of God, that pastor was preaching the word of God and I heard the word of God and was was seeing Christ. We can say, yeah, there was an anointing there, no doubt. I mean, that's, that's from the Holy Spirit. We go back to Ephesians chapter one, when it says, "In Him, Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee yeah. of our, our inheritance." So we we we're not denying the word of God when we when we are saying, well, we don't use that word very much. However, We are definitely not trying to go around guessing where there's anointings when it's, we don't really know, you know, that kind of situation, especially we know for sure in baptism that we are sealed, anointed by our Lord as his child. I, I'm rehashing this in my mind because you really laid it out in a way that I know I thought about, but, uh, it really comes true as you broke that down for us right now is I think this Sunday, that pastor and I should somehow put anointing into the worship service and say, you've been anointed. And I don't know how we'll do it, but but it is a faithful way of talking, especially put in the right context with the Holy Spirit. Right. But right now, pastor, we need to take our break. I almost lost track of time here. Um, we are studying 1st John chapter two with pastor Kevin Yoakam and we'll be right back. And welcome back. We are studying 1 John chapter 2 with Pastor Kevin Yoakum of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Riverview, Florida. And Pastor, you know, we talked about anointing um, by the Holy One, reminding us that it is from God, not from us, not something we work up in ourselves. And then he directs it. I mean, he says, there are, there are, These antichrists were with you, but you've been anointed. And then he tells in the purpose of why he writes this I write to you not because you do not know the truth, because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth, he's warning them in verse twenty-one uh, uh, of something. What is he warning them to watch out
1: for? These lies, to watch out for these things that um, are not of the truth of Christ. You know, to go back to the the antichrist that they're, they're twisting the truth of Christ. They are, um, or hiding it completely, or overshadowing it with whatever they're. to to say is the more important thing that needs to be taught uh, to just replace it with something else so uh, you know those who are anointed are, are not just a single one person who got especially excited one day but all of the Christians all of the believers have this anointing of the Holy Spirit and have the knowledge to know the truth and to then be able to discern the lie that would come from a a false Christ, from a false message, uh, from false doctrine.
0: So pastor, this is a good reminder for all of us that first of all, that we can walk away from Christ for whatever reason people do. And with that is this understanding of he's warning them and that can kind of get us fearful too. Okay. So there's antichrist everywhere, right? There's the antichrist. Mm -hmm is coming and they're, they're here. And this could have been our friend, you know, Joe, who used to have coffee with me every Sunday, and then he leaves the church and basically just. lambass everything that has to do with Christianity. And that can kind of terrify us to say, "Wow, I could walk away from this whole thing and that can kind of terrify us. Cause then we're going to start evaluating everything. Maybe looking at our own fruits, our own hearts, our own thoughts, mm-hmm. fearful. Well, what would your encouragement be? Or what would your um, care of souls be for somebody who hears these words and goes, oh my gosh, I could walk
1: away. What would you tell them? Right. Yeah. And whenever we look at ourselves, then our, our fear just grows to say, am I enough? Like he said, you know, do, do I have enough fruits? Uh, do I have enough passion? Do I have enough um, knowledge? Uh, do I have, uh, is it in me? Is, is the ability to stay Christian in, you know, in me and he he pointed out to not, not uh, any character assessment of mine, but to look to the truth, really to look to Christ and, and look to the Christ where, uh, you know, there's no lie in Christ and, and we're not looking to a a new thing and to stay with this. And he's going to get into this a little bit later to stay with what you have already heard from the beginning uh, to say, now, it, you know, if you're afraid of not being the, the Christian that will last, um, look to the Christ that has always lasted. Um, we are going to be thrown about, you know, as scripture would say, thrown back and forth by every, every wind of teaching that tries to deceive us. And here he says in verse 21, know the truth. And, and you already know the truth. Uh, through what the Scriptures have taught, and and the, the, I think the more uh, you hear the truth, the more you know the truth, the more you are around the Bible, the more that not just in its presence, but you know, the more the message is is uh, something that we hear and ponder and rejoice in taking. Um, the the lies will become much more evident because we'll say that's not what my Bible says. That's <laughs> not what, uh, you know, the old phrase, you know, this ain't your grandpa's old old mobile, but we we want this to be our grandpa's Bible. We want this message to be the same old Jesus Christ message that our grandpa would have told us. Um, you know, we want to say, give me the same old stuff. And I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, just give me the Sunday school of Jesus And, and don't change it. It'll go back to the same Jesus that we've always had, and and really, it's not for Christians to be uh hip and new and trendy with our teachings, right? Our teachings just don't change. Uh, there, if if you're looking for the new and trendy thing, it's not the church. It's not Christianity. Uh, if you're looking for the new and trendy teaching, then you're going to have to look elsewhere because we are going to bring the same message that we've always wanted to bring for 2,000 years. they we were bringing the same scripture that goes back even before 2,000 years, uh, but then it brings us the story of Christ and the same New Testament as well. Uh, it's the same old stuff, uh, and it's old. And, and that's okay, and that's really the way it needs to be. It's the same truth with no new toppings on it. Um, and so uh, to hear that truth it's really being uh, equipped to know the lie when it comes to us.
0: That's why what you're saying is, is so vital to us that what we need to hear in our churches is Jesus. For example, this Easter season, Jesus Christ yeah. is risen today. You know, this is not a, a past event. That's a nice story. This is a resurrection reality today. And First John is, is a great book of that reminder of what it means for us today when it says in first John chapter one, verse four, and we are writing th- these things so that are, that our joy may be complete, that joy of salvation. Chapter two, right before our time here is, is, is speaks about how Christ is our advocate. So when you do sin, you know, it doesn't give you the option that you oh, no, won't no. sin. When you do sin, you have an advocate with the father, Jesus, the righteous one. And then as we continue to look, you know, as we look in our liturgy all the time, you know, just that uh, uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is that in us, you know, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. So to look at this text and to to not realize that, okay, yeah, I could walk away, but also don't forget my Jesus, you know, that reminds me of, of you and I served in Bethlehem and North St. Louis that there were quite a few times Mm -hmm. in that congregation where people would say, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus Uh right there, you know? (laughs) And so it kind of reminds me of that doesn't sound like my Jesus, but right here, what you're saying is my Jesus is that one that does save. He is the Holy one that's anointed me. And therefore he is the truth. Why would I walk away from such a glorious truth? Any thoughts? Right.
1: Well, yeah, you know, Kind of the idea that I, you know, said about it—that the Sunday School Jesus. Yeah, so that's that's so, the, yes, love it. we're not giving the children some little baby lie, and we're trying to give our children the truth, and it is in Jesus Christ. And then when we grow up, and we might be tempted to say, "Well, I learned all that in Sunday School. Teach me something new." You know, I can't teach you anything new. I have the same Jesus to give you. Maybe we have a bigger vocabulary now. But I have the same Jesus to give you as an adult as as uh the Christian church gave you as a child. Uh that this is the same Jesus uh that we uh sing children's songs to as a child and now we sing maybe hymns or something else, uh today, but it's the same Christ, and that same tree uh that we've uh, like verse twenty four will say, that we've heard from the beginning and that abides in us. Yeah.
0: This is where that that hymn comes to mind too. I, oh, I'm excited for this. I know my redeemer lives. And like I said, my oh, yeah. Jesus, verse eight, He lives all glory to his name. He lives, my Jesus, still the same. All oh, the sweet You're joy with- this sentence gives, I know my redeemer lives. And that is the joy we have that's there for the children. And 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 we really, like you said, verse 18, we never really grow out of it. We still Our child of God, just like how we are still children of our parents, whether they are still here or not, we still have that identity. And that's what he has for us as a gracious and loving father. Here's his, his, uh, dear children. So pastor, anything else, uh, to this point as we move forward? No, I think we can go forward. All right. Verse 22, 22, and we'll go through 25. But who is a liar, but the one, excuse me, who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. So we get a we get a definition of the antichrist. Who is the antichrist? But is it a political person? Is it in Russia? Is it in oh. you know? Is it in in Florida? Um, who is the antichrist according to John?
1: Every four years, the antichrist turns out to be a politician, doesn't it? <laughs> um, um, no, it, it, here it, he lays it out very clearly. The one who is the liar in verse twenty-two. The one who is the liar is the one who. Um, denies that Jesus is the Christ. So if someone can't tell you that Jesus is the Christ, the savior, the promised one, the son of God, everything the Bible says, if they can't say, you know, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died and was buried. And the third day he rose again. If they, if their teaching deviates from the scriptures and, you know, like I just quoted from their creed, uh, and then they will not change like to say, oh, that's right. I was mistaken, but they are going to adhere to that false teaching. That's the Antichrist and that's the lie is some twisting of the, the truth, the simple truth of Jesus, the simple statement of who he is and what he's done. Um, that's the liar, the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And then it, he goes on to say the antichrist, that's the one, the liar. And then who denies the father and the son. Uh, so a lot of times you may hear Jesus, who, uh, you know, false teachings, like well, Jesus was a man, but I don't think he was really crying or really the savior, or I don't think he was really the son of God, or maybe he was the son of God, but it's more like kind of a 50, 50 mix of human and, and, and God. And he wasn't fully God or to say i don't know that there is a father or a son but that there's some sort of divine you know juice out there divine energy that we all partake of you know some sort of other method that goes into some uh you know uh, uh like a a new age uh, religion or some ancient thing you know that this is you know, first john is is really addressing the ancient thing of Gnosticism, mm-hmm. which is really just uh, New Age uh, and uh, other you know, church bodies today that would really play around with just mixing up the nature of Christ, the nature of the Father, the purpose of His coming to earth, of the Incarnation. They just changing all of that and trying to reword it. when it doesn't have to be. If you confess the Son, Jesus Christ, you are also in, in, in uh, relation with the spirit. He says, whoever confesses the son has the father also. You know, that, uh, and if you deny the son, well, you know, also missed out on the father, uh, that you can't pick one or the other also and say, well, I, I think uh, m- my religion is, is really going to be kind of focused on the father. And I'll just kind of leave Jesus alone. Uh, you know, that, that's the Antichrist. Um, every now and then people will say, can't we say this about the the scriptures or about heaven or about what Jesus does? And and, uh, maybe even they're fully intending to, to be Christian, but maybe we've forgotten that we can only say what the scriptures say. We can't add a new teaching to it. We can't redefine it so it's easier to swallow or so it has a new implication uh, in life or in culture. Um, we can only say what the scriptures say. And, and you know, so the Christian church will never have a new teaching. It should never have. It should always bring us this Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, this Jesus that we put into creedal statements, this Jesus who's the Son of the Father. This father, son, and Holy spirit, trinitarian God, uh, there's, there's nothing new there and the liar and the antichrist who's going to, is the one who's going to try to make it new and make it different or replace Jesus with some other, uh, thing that he says is going to be the keystone of, of, of how to get salvation or something like that. So let's, let's get to a little bit of a hot topic
0: is okay. uh yeah this could be fun on your especially on your birthday i mean what what would you yeah. rather be doing than this is you know i remember a number of years ago one of our congresswomen uh michelle bachman who had grown up lutheran was part of a lutheran church was accused of professing as a lutheran that that she thought the pope was the antichrist well that was a long weird story because at the end of the day she had already left the lutheran church and joined some other church and so forth and and that brought up just some unique discussions when she was running for, um, president of the United States. And for us in our confessions, it says this in the small card articles, all right. If you really want to get knee deep into this, the small card articles, part two, article four of the papacy. It says this, this is a 10, uh, a 10 out of part four. Anyways, long convoluted thing. This teaching shows forcefully. Luther says that the Pope is the true antichrist. And he quotes first John two, verse 18. Hmm. He has exalted himself above and opposed himself against Christ, for he will not permit Christians to be saved without his power, which nevertheless is nothing and is neither ordained nor commanded by God. So Luther says the Pope is the antichrist. What would we have to say to that? And make sure that's in the proper context, especially for you, our listeners maybe are Roman Catholic, and and for us as Lutherans who have Roman Catholic friends, which I have many, and you, I know you probably do as well, that how do we how do we speak these words um, faithfully to what Luther is saying and also
1: what Scripture says? Oh, Brady, we're going to get email. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, but here we are. So, um, I think, for one thing, there's a bit of a historical perspective, uh, because when we take that as a sole uh, word that uh, so the Lutheran church has identified the, the office of the papacy as the antichrist. Um, that then we don't hear maybe some historical perspective that as churches uh, during the Reformation were that di- were di- debating doctrine and trying to understand what is the true teaching, um, really the accusation was laid uh, in all directions. So if you were accusing someone of false doctrine and of, of replacing Christ or denying Christ or robbing Christ of his glory, uh, you know, uh, in, in any way, so Luther himself was accused of being an antichrist. So just to put in some historical perspective that, um, that this accusation kind of went both ways in trying to say, well, you, you call us false teachers and we call you false teachers. Um, and, and cause today, if you say you're the antichrist, it you might as well be saying you're, you're the devil himself, mm-hmm. you know, cause we've never heard of that in our culture. And to, to lay down that accusation is, uh, you know, seen as like you have, you know, spoke some unspeakable word or something. Um, But the the truth of what's happening here is that we say if the antichrist or an antichrist is someone who comes with a message that denies the person and work of Christ for our salvation, if this is a, a, a person and a message that takes the place of Christ, stands instead of Christ, or in place of Christ, uh, with his glory and with his authority. But that, you know, that is the definition of an antichrist. And then we say, and it uh, appears to us Lutherans that the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that the, the office of the papacy takes the place of Jesus as the uh, one who can bring... Um, forgiveness and life to humans on this earth, uh, they stand in, in the place of Christ, they rob Christ of his authority and his position as our savior, um, then that is the fulfillment of the definition of the antichrist. I might be mentioning my word a little too much because I want to speak offensively here. I want to speak, try to speak it clearly. And so it's not as if we're just trying to lay down a bad word and, and say that someone you know should be thrown off the, the playground um but we are saying it appears to our us that their teachings, teaching you know what they have put in writing uh, say that the the pope holds so much uh power and authority that really only belong to christ uh and uh as if, if the church will say that he is the one who can grant forgiveness or release or um you know anything like that. That that's really a power that only God has through Christ. Um, and, and so that not to say that we, we don't like um Francis or Benedict or John Paul II or or any one particular person. We're saying it seems as if the job description that you have in your confessional statements for this person. Uh, for whoever holds the office really uh, takes the glory away from Christ and, and denies his person and his work. Does, does that make sense? Absol- absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Because oh. anything that puts salvation's hope apart from Christ would be the Antichrist. And according right. to the confessional statements of that time, And well, for, for Roman Catholics continues with tradition today, that if that, that, that points in that direction, you know, and we're not saying that every Catholic believes this. We're not saying that, that this is the view of even, you know, um, of Pope Francis himself, but we're saying if there is that reality, which according to what the writings say, then that would be an antichrist. Now we're not trying to make it more than what it is. It's a denial of the full sufficiency of salvation in Christ. That's what we're that's what we're talking about. That's what John is talking about. And that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. One thing we have to be very careful about is that we don't like make this, you know, we'll just say that that's that's full salvation right there. We say what it says and we leave it and move forward. Um, and the same thing goes with anybody who denies Christ that according to John, according to a scripture says, which is our foundation for everything, that that would be an antichrist, um, and so it's very important for us to to realize as people can walk away, guess what? God can grab a hold of them too, and bring them back to that full sufficiency in Christ. so right. I, that's I think I think you laid that out perfectly. Um, any last thoughts well, up to yeah any th- last thoughts
1: yeah just on on that, you know so in the small column articles, that was addressing the particular situation that existed. Uh, the controversy between those two church bodies, the, what was called or soon to be called the Lutheran Church and, and the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, but this definition of the Antichrist preceded that, and it still exists. So like you said, you had said that another false teacher could have the same, same thing laid on them. Uh, today, we are not still going to say the only Antichrist must be a Roman Catholic. That's not what we're saying. If if there's a false teacher out there with a message that uh, totally distorts the person and work of Christ, uh, like you said, for full sufficiency for salvation, um, then we would uh, have to say that is an antichrist message as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, From being a a street preacher to some sort of Bible teacher to some sort of TV uh evangelist that if they've got it all wrong we could say the same about them it's not as if uh we just have you know poison darts for a roman catholic that's not it uh and we there's so many ways that we rejoice in, in the, the the common christian confession that we do have um but that uh you know if anybody comes and tries to um distort the message of salvation and the message of Christ that we have to call it out as being a false message.
0: Let's continue on. We have about four minutes left in our time. So I'm going to do this, Pastor. I'll read 26 and read through 29. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So pastor, it gets back into language of anointing and I Mm -hmm. think it's an identity. I mean, there's an identity reality of what God does to them. And then why wouldn't, basically, why would
1: you walk away? What are your thoughts in these last verses? Oh yeah. And, and, uh, there is a question that comes up in verse 27, that Mm. I I understandably, I think need a little help and, um, uh, to clarify how we hear that and how we read it. Um. But yeah, this ident- anointing does, it, uh, like you said, create an identity uh, that you are of the anointing, that you are uh, a believer, you are of the people of God, or we could say you are of the baptized or something like that, that the anointing is not an event, uh, uh, you know, an hour long time when you were particularly excited or something like that. But that uh the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. It stays, it remains. Uh and so this gift of the Holy Spirit remains in us. And so yeah, there in verse 20, 27 at the end he says, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. And that's we yeah. really good question. Uh what do you mean I don't need to be taught? I don't understand <laughs> any of that, you know, right? Right. And and I I really want to be cautious. I'm not trying to say that the Bible needs one more word, but maybe in order to help me understand it is that anything else additionally from scripture, you know, we have received from the beginning, uh, this message of Jesus Christ. We have received from our beginning, the Holy spirit, the anointing, the baptism, uh, the gift of the Holy spirit. And we don't need anything else than the Holy spirit and his word. Uh, to teach us. And when we have the Holy Spirit and God's Word, we are certainly taught by it. And the rest of Scripture would also say that we teach the Word. Uh, you know, that this is something we have to do is to teach the Word. Um, but this is saying that there's nothing else. We don't need a new, uh, teacher to add to Scripture, you know, to say the Bible plus another book that Brings a message that you cannot find in scripture. You know, uh, I guess to make a little clarification, sometimes people say, "You know, uh, is your small catechism like a different Bible?" Mm. You know, a different Holy Writing. And we say, "No, it's just a summary, like a, a Cliff note, like a, a Bible study of the basic teachings of the of the Bible. It's not trying to replace it. It's trying to help us get into the Bible." Uh, verse twenty-seven yeah. would be like, "You have no need." That anyone should teach you, and you might understand that as anything more than what God's word already said. Right, right. Pastor, we
0: have about a minute left in our time. It ends with abide in him. And he makes that very explicit, abide in him. How would you encourage our listeners to abide in Christ, knowing full well the antichrists surround us, brokenness and evil surrounds us as well. Abide in him. How would you encourage us to do that?
1: Abide, abide, remain in him, to stay in him. And that is to be in the word of God. And that, that is to be in his message, uh, the word that makes us clean. The word that teaches us of Christ our Savior and teaches us of our life in him. That abiding in Christ is to abide uh, in the word of God. Colossians would say, let the word of Christ dwell in you, You richness. And then Jesus in John 15 would say, uh, as you abide in me, I abide in you. That remaining, that abiding. And it is through God's word. And and from God's word, we have not to say, well, I have God's word, but I don't need worship. Well, uh, our worship is full of God's word. And that's where we hear it. And we hear it proclaimed and taught. And that's where we gather with one another. So uh, that abiding within God's word and God's word will be found in worship, uh, in our personal devotions, in our family devotion. God's word will be found uh, in the sacrament that are, are given and shared according to God's directions and the scriptures. And so that abiding, um, we could say, you know, how do you abide in Christ? Well, um, to cut it, you know, to the bottom line, go to church, <laughs> read the Bible and pray. Uh, you just want to make it sound like that, but that's where God comes to us in his word and that word is found in worship and devotions. And then our prayer is when we pray back to God, and we bring to him our thoughts and our needs, and the needs of others as well.
0: Pastor Kevin Yoakum of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Riverview, Florida, giving us God's strong word from 1 John chapter 2. Pastor Yoakum, happy birthday and thank you for bringing us his gifts. Oh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.